Hello, hello, everybody. This is Remy, and this is No Chick Flick Moments. B, apparently you're not part of this. I don't. I didn't no, give you time I, to come in. I guess I'm just here. Hi, everyone. This is B. And, and this is No Chick Flick Moments. Yes. And hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the nonsense. We We have a good show this week. Yeah, because this week we are talking about season 15, episode 2, Raising Hell. And it was an episode written by uh, Brad Buckner and Eugenie Ross-Lemming. And it was directed by Robert Singer. So the man himself. The man himself. I, I, can't, I literally physically cannot see, read, or hear the name Robert Singer. I don't know why I put a distinction on see or read the name Robert Singer. <laughs> I mean, if you see it, then you're... Okay, anyways. Uh, <laughs> but, but without thinking of him in The French Mistake, and like, I just... I, oh, I know, hey. I, I just see him, like, flipping the screen, like, season six, everybody. Season six. <laughs> and it's season 15, and when I, when I said season 15, episode two, I was like, man, man, guys, it's been a rough fucking day, okay? Yeah. I've been having a lot of season 15 feels today. Yeah, and, like, we're already two episodes in. We're already two episodes in. You know, episode one, I think I was just, like, super excited for it, but I don't know. Something about today, uh, I'm having my first, like, oh, no, last season feel. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Raising Hell. And the description for this episode reads, uh, Sam, Dean, and Castiel call on Rowena to help keep the evil souls at bay and get an unexpected assist from Ketch. So we have an all-star episode this week. I know, hey? So many show up. And, like, ones that aren't even mentioned in the description. Spoilers, not spoilers. Well, yeah. Seriously, the only character that I was even expecting this episode was Kevin. He was in... No, he wasn't in the preview, was he? But we knew he was coming back. So I knew he was going to be in this episode. And, um... And I don't know, we had we had Jules, Rowena, Ketch, Kevin, God, Amara, spoilers, not spoilers. And, <laughs> and Kevin came a little later. So in the first 10 minutes of the episode, we had all these people except the one that I was expecting to show up. And I was <laughs> like, hey, hey, guys. All we needed was like Jody and Donna and the Wayward Clan just kind of wandering in on the background <laughs> wave and just walk by. <laughs> I know they should have been like part of the Hunter Patrol for the town. We have Max and Alicia appear. Oh my god! But yeah, I it was a full house. Um. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. So that was the episode. That um, was the episode we're imagining, but no, that the was real the- episode. <laughs> no, that was it. All right, we just we just went through it. Yeah, hun, <laughs> we-, we got more time. We got to dedicate to that. <laughs> so, so we so, open up in Harlan, Kansas, the same yes. town that we uh, spent the first episode in, and we and we're still here. Um, we have a woman. Who 
is very like outlanders she has a scarf over her face and she's like looking around warily but she's like very obviously a suburban mom and yes i'm just looking at her on this dark street looking like a a a fucking the walking dead day two yeah and i'm like what are you doing and why are you walking so slow but but yeah, we got this suburbanite named Nan who's crossing the quarantine lines to go and get some allergy medicine for her daughter. And she runs into this silent neighbor named Rob and tries to have a conversation with him and basically gets shivved for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rob is not Rob. He is a... Uh, he is suffering a ghostly possession. And this ghost that we have not seen, but I choose to call Colonel Sanders 2.0, <laughs> uh, uh, has... Uh, I don't know. He, he, he shivs the poor woman. And we, we, we have two minutes of this scene, and I just don't know why... Yeah, hey, I feel like the whole thing is trying to set us up for that spelling bee quip where oh he God. spells out disembowel, and I'm like, I didn't need this. <laughs> I didn't need her to die. Like, of course she dies. She's the first two minutes of this episode. But here we are. This well, is our cold well. open. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The next scene that follows this one has Cass and Sam at the Harlan High School, and they're discussing how much longer they think that this quarantine lie of theirs is going to last. And um, they get the mention out there that this woman, Nan, is missing, and a hunter gets dispatched to go look for her. And then from there, Sam calls the room to attention to reinforce the lie and what the timeline is looking like. Yeah, yeah, it's been a couple of days. Um, Cass is is telling Sam, like, okay, the people are getting restless. We can't keep this up. And and after, you know, they they talk about Nan and how, you know, like Cass said, the people are getting restless. Um, Sam gets up in front of everyone and says, hey, don't go into the town. It's just that simple. But the, the townspeople seem unconvinced, if yeah. you ask me. Honestly. And um, as we're doing this Cass and Sam scene, we pan over the uh, woman and her kid from episode one. And the Mm -hmm. woman is still wearing her, like, bloodied cardigan. And (laughs) where is she getting a change of clothes? I don't know. There's got to be someone with one. But yeah, she's just, ah, this is fine. Two days in. I like the smell of it by now. Exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, Sam ends this whole conversation uh-huh. shouting proclamation thing by going, are there any questions? And it's like every hand in the room raises because of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Sam has a nice little face journey there like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. This is going to be my next hour. <laughs> yep. Yep. The next scene has Dean and Belfagar out on patrol and they are kind of quipping back and forth at each other, keeping an eye out for ghosts who are testing the line. Yeah, and um, uh, Dean has an EMF meter, but it's just going crazy. It's just too saturated um, with this ghostly energy. So he he does ask Belfagor, like, 
okay, I, you can still see them, right? You can point me in the right direction. And Balfagor says, yeah, there were some over there. Hey, there's one testing the barrier right here. Shoot it. Um, yeah. But but this is something that comes up many times, or I should say uh, should come up many times over the episode. Because if it's going to be like your opening line, then maybe you should like honor it and not forget that it's a thing that you established in the first five minutes. But it's fine. <laughs> Belphegor can see the ghosts. Or yes. can he? No, he can't. Uh, they just- <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you there. I feel like there's this gray space about whether Belphegor can see the ghosts when they're possessing someone. But as it stands, it seems to be even when the ghosts are invisible, he knows where they're at. And th- from this conversation, the things I was really taking from it was that, okay, we finally got some sense that Dean is like, I'm working with a demon again. This is dumb. And Belphegor, I'm working with a hunter. This is dumb. Yeah. And more insight into Belphegor just saying that he's a good soldier for hell and he does his job and he just wants things to go back the way they were. And Dean is, you know, finally voicing one of those suspicions that we uh, talked a lot about last episode, which is like, why are you helping? Why are you here? And Belphegor doesn't really say anything new, but he, like you said, reinforces his fucking cover story, which is... Yeah. Doubling down that, yeah. you know, I, I'm just a swell old sport from hell and I want things to go back the way they are. But he did drop a very interesting line, I think. And I don't know if it's something that I should be reading more into or not, but Belphegor says, I'm a good soldier. Mm-hmm. I, I, and... He's like, I just, I did my job. I like hell how it is. But he says, I'm a good soldier. And I think that whether I can take that line and mirror it to Dean, you know, always the good soldier, or if I can take that line and think, okay, Belphegar is is some agent of some, like, bigger player in hell, and he's just the good soldier, like, I guess my thought was, okay, so who is Belphegar's John Winchester? If yeah. if he's going to throw out the line, I'm a good soldier. Yeah, because his role, we found out last episode, is that he was a torturer. So I'm like, that doesn't really line up with this idea of being one of the ranks that are uh-huh. kind of out on the front. But he seems to be portraying this role so we'll see kind of if this is the lie that keeps going or if there is actually truth in the mix here yep yeah and we are rudely interrupted by a ghost that is hitting against the barrier and buffgore you know points and dean shoots and we see um that same ghost that we saw in the opening scene kind of fritz out uh after dean shoots him with rock salt but buffagor says these ghosts aren't your typical ghosts they're a bit more nasty that guy for example was francis tumbletee aka jack the ripper yeah yeah (laughs) and dean's just like Cool. Yeah, cool. So we have Jack the Ripper in the mix here. Yeah. 
So Nan went out and never came back. Yeah. Yeah. And we have a trio of civilians back at the cafeteria who are talking about this. And Uh it's Dave, Sherry, and I think the third guy was Alan. I didn't write them down. They're essentially just saying, Nan's not coming back. I'm going to go look for him because Dave is the husband to Nan. Right. And... They have outlined for us that the area of Harlan is simply too big for all the hunters on hand to patrol. So they figure they'll be able to slip through the defenses easy enough and go find her. Right. So uh, also, I thought this gave us a little bit of insight on, you know, the the townspeople um, who who they are not completely unaware of what's going on. They're aware enough to not buy this benzene story. Like they're aware enough that there's just a handful of people who are patrolling their town with guns. And yeah, they have, that sounds like the EPA. Yeah. <laughs> so they are suspicious of what's really going on. And if you know what you see is what you get with this benzene story. But, yeah. um, but we have these civilians who are like, Nan went in and never came out. We're gonna go do the same thing. We're we're suburban Chuck Norris, and we're gonna go handle this. R.I.P. Dan, but I'm different. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so this scene gets followed up with what we could call a ghost town hall. One of these suburban houses, Jack the Ripper is holding a forum with Lizzie Borden uh-huh. and the rest and uh-huh. informing them how they escaped from hell and that they're currently being held captive by the hunters being who are also being abetted by Belphegor. I I love that you said that because my notes are Ghost Conference 1, a page later Ghost Conference 2, <laughs> yes. and then a page later Ghost Conference 3, so... Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have Francis, and he is, you know, town counselor in this town hall. And um, he is, I don't know, rallying the troops. Basically that, yeah, the warding is a door. Doors can be forced open. So if they stand on mass against it, they can make their way out and escape. Yeah. The idea is they're going to just make things ugly for the hunters for the time being. You know, they're going to shake the bars on this cage and see if they can figure a way to get out. Yep. Yep. So this is followed quickly by those two civilians. It doesn't seem like Alan, question mark, name, question mark, <laughs> has joined them. But Dave and Sherry have decided to cross the quarantine line. Um, it sounds like there's shots that are fired behind them. Yeah, shots fired, and then oh, there's a voice in the distance that says, got him. And this civilian duo do not look near as freaked out as they should in this moment, but they turn yeah. around. They're just going to, like, keep going down the street, and, and uh, but, you know, two ghosts uh, that we saw at the town hall uh, pop up. Uh, in in front of them, and they look menacing, and and the civilian duo are presumably possessed. Yeah, yeah, we just kind of cut away from them, but they are they've got the surprise Pikachu faces on. So, <laughs> yeah, who could have foreseen this coming? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then back at the cafeteria, 
Heartland High School, Cass is insisting to Sam that they need to advise the husband that they have found Nan. You know, it's now deceased. So we're getting some fill in the blank here happening that behind the scenes, her body was found. Uh It's not good. And Sam is just arguing that they barely have a lid on this whole situation as it is. They can't go breaking out scary truths like this right now. Yeah. I. This is the second time that we've seen Cass. And it's the second time that Cass is just advocating for the truth and yeah. for the townspeople. And I, I... What's the word I'm looking for? It's like... I don't know, just openness and honesty, and he is being a very empathetic presence Yeah, this episode. He is the voice of empathy, and um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's different and interesting to see from Cass, because if that's the role that he's going to be filling, like, I am fighting on the side of humanity, I'm here for it. Yeah, and like, part of it seems to be also like Cass he knows how it played out the last time he was keeping secrets like look at how big it blew up and now with the big chuck reveal that's also another big secret that was affecting their entire lives so i wonder how much of this is just convenience for plot and how much of it is also just underlying for cast that he has seen some really dire consequences come from keeping the truth from people uh-huh. and we like we could see with Dave and Sherry here, these two civilians that wandered off because they didn't know any better, that there are significant consequences to keeping the truth from people. And Cass is the big advocate for it right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well put. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, that's that's it. Yeah, that's that's what I'm seeing from Cass. And um, man, it's I don't know how to say it, but it's like, it's almost like the Winchesters, Sam and Dean, they're just really weighed down right now by um, the the problem in front of them, but they're not seeing the forest for the trees. Yeah, it's like they're looking at the war, not the battle, you know? Yeah. They're just focusing on the bigger picture, and so the small consequences, the small costs along the way are just the cost of doing business, whereas Cass is really looking at those components of their day-to-day and looking at these people as people and saying, we need to also keep them in the balance. It's not just deal with the souls pouring out of hell. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's the question here. Sam is saying, we have to deal with the souls in hell. Cass says, how? And Rowena comes in. Hi, Rowena. Rowena. Hi. She she uh, arrives framed in the doorway like, hello, boys. I love you, Rowena. Never change. I know. And she goes, Samuel Castiel, <laughs> and like gives Castiel another like eyes once over. I'm like, God bless. I love that running joke. We have a, a new one coming in this episode that happens, but... <sighs> no, but I did like Cass here because it, 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 like you said, it is a running joke at this point. Um, um, she just unnerves him just a little bit, keeps him a little flustered. Yeah, yeah, but but this time Cass gets a little smile, like he's catching on, and he thinks like it's a it's an inside joke. It feels mm-hmm. even between them. I really liked it. I really liked yeah. Cass's like- reaction here. 
she's honestly an ally at this point. Yeah. And so it's not just like, oh, God, what is she scheming? It's kind of like you say, like, it's their inside joke kind of thing right now. Uh-huh. And yeah, I love Rowena's little opening line here with them, like, a town full of ghosts, messy even by Winchester standards. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Sam says, we need your help. And do you remember that crystal, that bomb that you made when we were fighting Amara? And Rowena is taken aback. She's like, that was a tough sell the first time around. Yeah. yeah. She says it took everything she had. Yeah. And, and to do it again, I mean... It might work. Um, and and Sam and Cass are basically saying, well, might is all we have. Like, this is yeah. all we have. So let's do it. And There's one line that Rowena gives out here, too, when she says, can you boys do nothing on your own? And I just, that kind of pinged for me as being something that made me fearful for her in the future. Because oh, no. anytime someone is... Like, we have Sam and Dean saying, like, we need you. We need your help. Rowena is a key asset to them in these crutch moments. And so for her to put out so baldly, like, can you guys do nothing without me? It really, all of a sudden, I was like, oh, no, season 15, she's in danger. Like, Oh, no. Oh, that's no. what that line just put in me. I'm so scared for her. I, I mean... Uh, we we know that next episode is going to call on that a little bit, so based on the uh, teaser trailer, but uh, yeah, maybe? is this groundwork we're seeing? Don't because know. no, because the first <laughs> time I watched through this, that line I I pinged on the second time, the third time, I'm like, this is ringing bells, and I'm not here for it, but no. like kind of <laughs> no, Bobo's handling next week, so okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh yeah, I didn't think about that, but um uh I'm just gonna put that aside. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna put those feelings in a box and not process them for yeah. another week. Rowena, I'm glad you're here. Hi. <laughs> Hi, yeah. Jules, our lovely hunter who survived the giant purge, the Michael Purge yep. last year last season. I don't know how to refer to time anymore. But she interrupts regarding a quote-unquote situation that is going on. Yep. And so this transfers right into the next scene. Dean and Belfagar are facing down the two possessed civilians. We don't know they're possessed at this time, somehow. <laughs> Dean and Belfagar, I guess, have just been standing here not talking. And then Sam appears. I'm presuming it's like a bring me your leader situation. Oh, my God. Because otherwise, like, I, I'm having difficulty finding the logistics for this scene. There are but... none. I'm sorry. There are none. No. We need Sam here to see. Two civilians standing on the other side of the warding. And then this Francis Tumblety, Jack the Ripper, appears and essentially goes, yo, these two kids are hostages. <laughs> and uh -huh. then starts squeezing their guts like an asshole. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is a little poke at oh, what I said earlier. Like, Belfagar, you can see the ghosts. Why? Well, well uh, unless he can't when they're actually in human bodies but um, i feel like that's what we're expected to hand wave 
I'll give you that. I, it, You know what? But if they had had, if the writers had had that thought, if they had put that much thought into it, then they would have dropped a line. Yeah. Like yeah. the earlier scene we had with Dean and Belfagar when they're on patrol. Do you still see them out there? Like, uh-huh. I don't know how you could work it. Like, that's that's the thing. There's so much going on. Well, I mean, you could, do you still see them out there? Yeah, there were a few over there, but, you know, if they're riding a meat suit, then yeah. they might fall under my radar. Like, it's just That's as simple fair. as that. But but mm, it's fine. It's fine. We're here. Like you said, Dean and Belfagor have just been standing there for the 20 minutes it took Sam to come over from the fucking uh, high school five miles away. But, yeah. So, good old Jackie here, he is saying, drop the warning or these two get it. Mm-hmm. and they are refusing, and so the civilians collapse, and then we see what I describe as a confetti gun go off, <laughs> and the ghosts bail. And this gun is wielded by Ketch, and here's where my wrath begins. <laughs> what? Why? I hate this fucking gun. I hate it so much. You hate like, it so much. We don't, we don't know in this scene, we know in the very next scene, when Ketch goes, hey, this gun is from the British Man of Letters, and it shoots iron flakes. And I'm like, okay, so it shoots shrapnel. You are firing <laughs> shrapnel at civilians. You're like, it's fine, because it's a wild, crazy spray. So we don't know if someone's going to get injured. I'm like, please, it's please it's- stop. Yeah, I like how I like how they sold it as a gun when it really should have just been a confetti popper. Like... It's what it feels like, but I'm like, it's shooting metal filings. <laughs> and the only thing I can think of, because my dad worked at a body shop, and mm-hmm. like you would get a tiny fleck of metal, say if you were grinding down the body of a vehicle. And if it so much as like got near your eye, it was just like a nightmare oh, scenario to try and get rid of. Oh, so God. I'm just imagining a gun loaded with metal filings and just like, Boom! Like, we're just gonna fire it redneck style at civilians to spook some ghosts away. I'm like, you couldn't do this with rock salt? This Exactly! Like, that would hurt less! I, I mean, when, when Jack the Ripper is, is, I don't know, uh, holding these two people captive, and then he's, and then the ghosts start hurting the civilians, uh, Sam and Dean are just, like, standing there. They're just standing there. I'm like, whip a chain at these bitches. I know, do, like, literally do anything. They're just watching this happen. It, shoot rock salt at them. Throw your iron chain at them. Say something. Are you just gonna, like, watch? I, it I was, know. It was bad. It was bad. And they, it, the same thing happens with Kevin later. And I'm just like... <sighs> It's so bad. It's so bad. I feel like this gun was here to try and make Ketch look cool, but instead all it did, I'm like, there's so many health implications. <laughs> I'm so upset. Belfagar is standing to the side looking about as impressed as I am right now. So, And yeah, he's there, and then it's not until this next scene where they regroup at the school in one of these offices and catches, you know, okay, like, Dean's handing out beers to all of them, and then Ketch sees Belfacar enter, and he's like, Jack? And I'm like, bitch, you were just in a scene with him. Did you not have your eyes fucking open, or were you too busy staring down at that gun of yours and going, nut? I didn't even think about that! I didn't even think about I'm that. I'm fine. That's so 
fucking funny. You're right. There there was presumably a whole like let's go back to the high school scene. And yeah, I, like, I would assume what did introductions were in made. That? Like he did he just whoop, 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 like he ran through <laughs> the bushes. He's like, I'm gonna make it back in 20 minute guys. It's fine. I don't need a beer. Oh my god. I mean, it is just exactly what just happened when Dean and Belfagar were standing there until uh, yeah, you know, frozen in media res until Sam showed up. It's just like yeah. it makes no sense. It like there is no linear progression of there's no logic here. It's just yeah. not. It's just wrong. No. It yeah. it happened and just just you fucking wait, okay? Oh my god. Okay, okay. I know we said that we weren't going to be like super salty, but I'm loving this mad beat. It's <laughs> It's not even salt. I'm like, because you know me, I will enter into the Olympic gymnastics for bending over, figuring out how to make the writing work. Uh And I'm like, I can't make it work. And so I hit a 404 (laughs) error inside of me, and it apparently just shortcuts into anger. Oh, my God. We're fine. We're at the school. Beers are being doled out. Rowena's Rowena. like, are you sure we can't get a scotch? Can we not just exchange? Like, this is a school. They've got to have it, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then, and then, uh, catch like, ooh, a witch with fine taste. And I don't know, my next three notes are just, Rowena, why are you looking at catch? Catch, why are you looking at Rowena? And I'm so uncomfortable. Please. Uh, yeah, like, they're flirting. And I'm like, why? I mean, Rowena... You can get whoever you want to get, but are you sure you want that? Oh my god. Like, I haven't seen season 12, so forgive me, because I don't know the full history here, but what season 13 told us was that he forced her to give one of those skin sachets so that he could resurrect. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna just accept that on face value. And now she's like, I completely forget our history, let's bone. It's it's really bad. It's really weird. I don't like it. Yeah, this is a bad scene, lads. Belfagor walks in. Catch says, oh, Jack? Hi. But no, oh, yeah. hi. I'm Belfagor. <sighs> Jack's dead. Um, And then Catch is like, ooh, Belfagor, you're Belfagor? Um, well, this is this awkward. This is awkward. <laughs> Yeah, and Sam and Dean are like, catch, what the fuck did you do? And <laughs> and catch is just in the neighborhood because he was contracted by a demon named Our Dad, uh-huh. and apparently she has described Belphegor as a monstrous threat to humanity. So I'm like, eyes emoji at that one. Oh, for Belphegor or for the fact that we said that thing about Our Dad, this demon that we haven't met before, and then just dropped it? Why not both? Yeah. Yeah. I am hoping Ardead is someone that shows up later because we've described it as a sexy female. So I'm assuming that she's going to appear. (laughs) I don't know. Did you hear some sort of tension in my voice there? The I love this so much. It's my sinuses. It's fine. (laughs) Um... I really w- was side-eyeing that line because um, no one's really questioning this monstrous threat to humanity thing, are they? 
No. And also, I'm like, catch, you might be a contract for hire, but a demon hires you and you're like, seems legit. I think they're going to pay me. Exactly. I mean, I don't know. I think for catch, it's just like, oh, I get to kill a demon? Cool. The whole thing about Ketch is he's trying to redeem himself, right? Like, he comes back for an inadequately explored reasons in 13. And then by, like, tail end of 13, when he and Dean are over in the apocalypse world, Ketch is essentially like, I'm trying to atone. And then we get to here, and he's like, I'm atoning by taking a contract hit from one demon to kill another. And it's like, so you're gonna let that one live. It just isn't jiving with the whole reason that he's apparently a chill ally with Sam, Dean, and Cass at this point. I feel like they even poked fun at it later. Um, I'm not having fun. Like, even if they're trying to be like, her, her, I'm like, Ketch, why are you here? Well, okay, how about that? How about this? Not poking fun, but an unintentional, like, self-call out. Like a lampshading to it? No, I think I think they just. Oh my god. Okay, I think that the writers want catch to be a thing, but they want catch to be their vision of their like catch thing. You and think this is like the Sam Dean and Catch show? And it doesn't make sense for everything that we've done with catch since he was a buckleming chew toy in season 12 yeah like, and like i haven't seen 12 but i've heard the nightmares of him in 12 and so i'm like where is this coming from exactly because you you have seen 13 you have seen 14 you've seen the Evil progression time. Of his character. Okay, the evil twin thing. Okay, you're... Okay, well... <laughs> that was my first introduction. I'm like, I don't like this motherfucker on principle. I oh love God. David Hayden Jones. He's hilarious and, like, too much personality, but that's fine. But catch it's the mean girl's Tumblr post we see blogging around. Stop trying to make catch happen. <laughs> yeah, I... I totally agree, but I'm just, I'm trying to focus in on this, what you said about, I was a bad guy, but now I'm on some sort of redemption arc, deserved or not, which I think is a different conversation, Yeah. but but we have him here, like, yeah, hi, I'm Ketch, I'm an ex-assassin, kinda, you know, I'm Moonlight as an assassin now, but I'm a good guy, I don't know, it's just like... This guy is not your James Bond. Like I'm, I'm killing people for old money and I'm writing cool. who I think is a cool character. Yeah. British accent, ex-assassin, comes in as like the cool sidekick ally. Yeah. That happened. I feel like we've done a lot of breath on this scene. <laughs> I will say though that Jack they point out that Jack got killed by God. Dean says, the kid got, must have got under his skin. And then Belfagar goes, and now I'm under Jack's. Like, her, her. And yeah. Dean does take a moment to say, like, we just need him for now. So there is an expiry date implied in that comment that Dean makes. Yeah. We have survived this scene. Next <laughs> one. Reno. Reno! We're at Reno! And so we just had this scene about uh this demon Ardad, and we cut to Reno, and we have a woman getting a massage, and for, like, the first 
two and a half seconds, I was like, oh, this is our dad. Um, mm. But, but I mean, it, it's not. But I don't know. It, it's just what I was expecting. So when I did kind of clue in, like, oh, my God, wait. Wait, is that Amara? It's Amara. Yeah. I was I was very excited because it was very unexpected and it was yeah. a, it was a it was a good moment, yeah. Yes, because again, wasn't even mentioned in the description. There wasn't any real pictures coming out in advance of this episode to indicate she'd be here. So it was like, "Whoa." And not only that, but okay, so Amara's getting her massage and it's interrupted by you can see hands exchanging uh-huh. and she sits up and it is Chuck. And he just goes, Hi sis. Yeah. So we have we have Amar and Chuck here. Again, something I was not expecting. It was a pleasant surprise. And you know, you can say there's a lot going on in this episode, but this uh this I'm here for. Yes. It was a very pleasant surprise. Yeah. And so we find out why Chuck is here. He's saying it's just, you know, I'm checking in, despite this promise to give her space. Mm-hmm. And we get this quote unquote funny line where he's like, <laughs> that Game of Thrones ending, hey? Yeah, yeah. Loved it. And I'm like, okay, that right there lets me know what the writers think of Chuck and that ending right there. I I liked that line. It was... I thought it was funny. And I feel like 10 years down the road, the rewatchability of it is going to be kind of stale, but definitely for the moment and definitely for the meta, it is very good choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of meta implications in that line. Um, so Amara is just looking at Chuck and, and it's small talk really why are you here and yeah. and and we we cut out of this scene with chuck like eh, eh, shrug emoji like eh, yeah i'm here hi <laughs> yes and so the scene that follows this one we have Cass, and he is fielding questions from the friend of the possessed duo so i'm uh-huh. like alan question mark <laughs> and there, you can see that what this Alan question mark is saying is getting under Cass's skin because this dude says, you said you would keep us safe. And like, he knows three people already who are either missing, presumed dead. Like, he doesn't know what's going on with these people. And you can see that fact weighs heavily on Cass. Exactly, exactly. And he's being told one thing by the Winchesters, like, this is how we deal with this. Um, But he is disagreeing and he's seeing, you know, evidence stacked up against keeping that secret. And Mm -hmm. um, I really do think it's going to break in the next episode. And I'm really interested to see how... Because Alan, question mark, says, you're supposed to be protecting us. And it hits Cass right in the chest there because he wants to be the protector and he's trying, but he doesn't feel like they're doing the right thing. He doesn't think that they are doing what they should be doing to protect this town. Yeah, he definitely doesn't agree with Sam and Dean's approach to the townspeople right now. And I feel like there is that energy to, you know, he wants to protect them. And he just got off failing to protect Jack. Yeah, And so to hear this coming up again, like you said, you promised. And 
he's not fulfilling it because he's duty bound to the vision that Sam and Dean are giving. And he's just really stressing on that. And it does feel like there's this building tension with him that we're going to see erupt or break. Yeah, for sure. For sure. When does him not wanting to rock the boat override uh, his own principles? His own principles. Exactly. Exactly. Because he he does feel he does feel like he's already on shaky ground with the Winchesters. He doesn't want to rock that boat. Yeah. But if he doesn't like the direction the boat's going, he's running out of options of what to do. Yeah. Yeah. So we're um we go to Rowena and Dean and they're walking down a hallway. Uh Dean has a grocery list for everything that Rowena is going to need for uh this this uh, soul crystal and and there's a little joke about uh how if they want to get all this stuff in time then Rowena better have a Amazon account and she's I have a Prime account. Mhm. I thought that was funny. And then Rowena, no, Rowena. Rowena, you can do so much better. You can do so much better. She's, she says, so this catch character and Dean, he's like, you do not want to get involved with that guy. We have a bigger fish to fry. Like, get your head in the game. Cut Please it out. be focused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and Rowena, <laughs> Dean says. Believe me, you don't want to get involved with him. And and then Rowena, like, fucking twirls her mustache with a, oh, don't I? Yeah, like, the reverse psychology is hitting right there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and... And then we have what is arguably the best scene of uh-huh. this entire episode. And I don't know. I I don't know. I really like the last Chuckamara scene. I I do really like the Chuckamara scenes. But what I really like about the scene, and this is the Dean and Cass confrontation. Yes. And I like this scene because we're finally getting insight into where Dean's anger is directed and why. Yeah. Because at the end of last episode, we got a bit of a talk between Sam and Dean where Dean says his frustrations about feeling like a rat in a maze. But in this scene here, we're actually really seeing more to it that he might be angry with Cass, but he's angry with everything. And the reason why is just because he feels conned and that everything around him is fabricated. Yeah. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The scene starts because Cass comes in and he's trying to apologize to Dean. Yeah. And Cass is saying a lot of what he said in absence, the episode absence, um, he's saying, I know you're angry. I should have told you about Jack. And because I did not, your mother's dead. And Dean just shuts it down. He says, don't. Yeah. And Cass is is still trying to draw Dean out and 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 Dean comes up to meet that and that's when he it does reveal why he is angry and where that anger is coming from like you said exactly what you said um he's mad about Mary he's mad about Jack he's mad about everything yes every mess that they've come across in their life and he just feels like 
if all of these decisions were forced due to circumstance, then he has nothing to show for the life he's lived. The whole thing just feels like a giant con because he was lied to this whole time. And Cass is saying it's not all a lie. He's saying, okay, maybe it was a maze, but we did make our own choices. We did overcome the obstacles that were put in front of us and we're still our own people and yeah and dean is just not he's not believing it no he doesn't know what's real yeah he is saying that everything that they've lost and everything that they are is because of chuck like he just doesn't feel like there was any autonomy to himself like okay maybe the course was set for us but the fact that that course was set means that i was given only a select number of choices i could make you know if life is only a multiple choice of a b and c i still don't feel like that's free will free will is being able to do whatever And so just the thought that there was limitations placed around his life, that there was this obstacle course to run, just seems to rattle him and his faith in the choices that he made. Yeah, yeah. And I really liked what Cass said. And he listened to Dean and said, you know what? Okay, maybe that's true. Maybe our lives are just an A, B, or C option. But if everything that was thrown our way is just God's own machinations, he's saying, how is that different than what anyone else in the world would expect from life? He says that is life. And just because we are in the rare position of knowing the truth, knowing that God is here and knowing that God is watching. Like, that doesn't change anything. This is still our world. And this is still our life. Lives. And, um... And that means something to me, Cass says. that's not for nothing. Yeah, yeah. But Dean is just so angry. And he's just so betrayed and... And he is, con- uh, not confused is the wrong word, but but he is conflating, doubting everything. Yes, conflating. He just feels like lost in these questions and and he has lost himself in all of these questions like, who am I? What is me? What is what is not me? What was just Chuck? Yeah. He's having a fucking existential crisis. And I don't know. I don't know how Cass can bring him down from that. He can't. Yeah. He can't. Like, we see it happening in this scene that Dean goes to walk away. And Cass's last Hail Mary is like, I'm like, Dean could, if he had the fucking spare time for three credits, could really stand to take an introductory (laughs) philosophy class about this. (laughs) But, like, Cass is going to Descartes, like, the I think, therefore I am, you know? Uh If if you think that none of this is real, at least you could take for the fact you are real and we are real. Like, the... You can take that we and place it as larger, like beyond you and I being real, but like the relationships we've formed, the things that we've gone through, the bond that we have formed, these things are all real. It doesn't matter 
kind yeah. of how these things came to be because the the cause of these things, the effect was still the decisions we made. Yes, yes, exactly. He's saying, we're here, we're real, and these are our lives. And man, I mean, every line from this scene, honestly, because... It's it's so good. That's it, why it's the best one. <laughs> I don't... Oh, again, I'm just like, oh, okay, you can have this I, one for your takeaway, but I, I, I have I really to like the implications we get from Amara <laughs> in that, but I'm like, it's the Sam and Dean show, and the insight into Dean is... I'm like, finally, I've been waiting to hear more about this. Yeah, yeah. And here it is. My favorite thing about this, and, and, and really the kernel of... The, the core of this conversation is Cass saying, we ran our own race. Yes. yes, we're in the maze, but our decisions are our own. Yes. And I, I think that it will resolve for Dean. Dean is very down right now. Yeah. And I think that we are going to see him. I don't know if it's going to be Cass or if it's going to be Sam or if it's going to be fucking Balfagor. But yeah, Dean will pull himself back up. Yeah. It's just really interesting seeing the parallels that we can draw between Cass and Dean in, say, episode 422, where Dean was pleading for Cass to not follow the plan of the apocalypse. And he's saying, like, the families are the matter. The people, like, these are things that are worth rebelling for. And Cass goes, yeah. But here we have Cass almost doing the flip side conversation back to Dean. Like, we are real. Like, these things are real. And Dean just can't meet him. He walks away. Yeah. And we follow this scene with one of Ketch and Dean patrolling. And Dean has a chain necklace on to protect from possession. And he hands one over to Ketch. And we get a little exposition... Did I say that word? <laughs> no. Exposition where God is the villain, catch and catch up there. And yep. that the British men of letters never developed any weapon for God because it was always theoretical. Yeah, yeah. It just, it, it never came up, so. Yeah. But you know what does come up? Catch going, hey, so, so, so about Rowena. So about Rowena. And I'm like, can we stop? But did you, were you watching Catch this scene when he was talking? I wasn't. Tell me more. Catch? Are you sure it's Rowena you're into here? He does give off some real bi vibes around Dean. Oh, yeah, he does. Oh, yeah. He is, Catch, control your fucking face. He is looking, he is making some bedroom eyes to Dean. I don't know why, but he is. It's like, catch, you can't bang the mom and the son. Please calm down. Oh my god. Never call Rowena Dean's mom again. He (laughs) fucked Mary! Oh god! You went, okay, we're gonna have a brief therapy session. (laughs) I mean, why would you think I was meaning Rowena? (laughs) I... I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. I have absolutely nothing to say about (laughs) 
that. We're fine. We're going to move on. We'll take this to private therapy. Oh, please do. Please. <laughs> there is a text that comes in, and we can see Dean gets really worried, and Ketch is like, what is it? And it is two hunters have not checked in. Ben and Frankie are apparently AWOL. Yep. So we got to go check this out. Next scene. <laughs> We're at an abandoned meat factory in this, like, small it's, town. Kansas. Which I'm like, it can't be near the suburbs. <laughs> it can't be within this one mile ring. Because I'm like, lads, if you've never been near a meat processing plant, <laughs> that fucker smells more than a mile away and there are fights for wherever they land because nobody wants them near their town so for this to be within the one mile ring i'm like harlan you have some explaining to do oh my god yeah yeah no i had the exact same thought i'm so glad that you that you thought uh, that about the meat factory because i'm like I'm sorry, where are we? We've been nothing but suburbs and like this quaint little downtown area. And then we have an abandoned meat factory? I'm, I'm, okay, watch me do my backflip. Okay, no, I'm no. gonna do a cartwheel. I'm not gonna do backflip. It looks abandoned. So I'm like, this could just be a warehouse that has the sign up and it's not been used in several years. The ch- with like the chains everywhere hanging from the ceiling. I mean, like I, it, was- it could be a recent closure because the suburbs moving in or something. Like, okay, again, not backflipping for this one is not fucking worth it. Does Here's this my town have cartwheel. a fucking warehouse district just two blocks over from the neighborhoods? This Fine. this is their storage. Unit thing, it's mid-convert right now. They're in the process of doing building edits. I need to get all my uh, D&D dungeon builder um, software and have, like, cemetery, suburbs, downtown, warehouse district, question mark, question mark. (laughs) Please, I can't defend this any longer. It's already dead. (laughs) Anyways, anyways. So, we're we're in (laughs) this... Shifty looking meat processing plant established 1932 in Kansas. We're fine. They're looking <gasps> around. There's a noise. There's the frosty breath. And then Ketch gets fucking punted <laughs> into a wall. That looked like it hurt, too. Yeah. That one wasn't friendly. Be gentle on your stunts, people. I know, hey? Kudos. Anyways, so they both get tossed around. It's the woman in black with the Lizzie Borger. This is who they've chosen. Which I'm, I another motherfucking contentious move here. Trying, anyways, I'm fine. How do you know it's Lizzie Borden? I just there's a there is such a complicated history when it comes to her about whether or not she actually killed her parents and like what the motivations would be and all of this stuff. And like, anyways, I'm fine. No, how do you know it's Lizzie Borden? Oh, because if you look it up on the wiki, she's listed as Lizzie Borden. I wonder, was she in a previous episode? Yes, she was in, well, sorry, previous episodes being in 1501. I don't recall her being in one earlier. So the wiki didn't say that she was in, that we had a Lizzie Borden episode? Let me see. Let me do it right now. 
Sure, 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 sure. Because we had this conversation um, in our uh, episode one after talk, I think. Um, and we were saying, okay, so we had these ghosts and some of them were callbacks, such as uh, Jane Wayne Gacy. Uh, I said that <laughs> name so wrong. Um, okay, here we go. Season yeah. 11, in Thin Lizzie, yeah. the Winchesters investigate a murder at the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast that is supposedly haunted by the ghost of Lizzie Borden. Okay. I really like season 11. I know what episode you're talking about, but I can't <laughs> Yeah. They eventually discover the killer to be a young woman whose soul was consumed by Amara. So she wasn't really in it. Um, season oh. 8 also had Clip Show. While looking for clues on how to cure a demon, Hunter Dean Winchester goes through the Men of Letters files on demonic possessions. He brings a batch to his brother. Amongst the files is Lizzie Borden's. So she was apparently possessed by a demon to hack her mom and stepdad to death. Huh. That's interesting. That's cool. Yeah, because we had uh, kind of these uh, four key ghosts in episode one, but only two of them were um, recognizable as uh, previous characters. Yeah. Well, I, 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 three if you count um, uh, the woman in white. But, but there were two unaccounted for, and we were, you and me, were wondering if they yeah. were callbacks. So Lizzie Borden, okay. Yeah, she hasn't appeared in previous episodes just as, like, a portrait or mentions, uh -huh. but here she is now, and not even given a name. We got Jack the fucking Ripper holding town halls, and Lizzie Borden just like, I'm not gonna say any words. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. She tosses Dean. She's approaching really menacingly, and then we hear this voice booming out, and <laughs> Remy, I have to tell you what my brother said about this. Please do. He, it, do you know anything about Skyrim? Yeah. Okay, well, there's the dragonborn. Yeah. My brother was like, this is a ghostborn. Just going, Fusro da! <laughs> Lizzie Borden is gone. She has to leave. Unrelenting force was used against her. And lo and behold, who comes out from the darkness but Kevin? <laughs> Kevin. And again, I sit here and I'm like, I have some issues with this. Oh, Already? I have some issues later, but... <laughs> well, uh, my problem is, is Kevin comes out, and it's Kevin. And I'm like, how long ago did Kevin die? Like, just seasons-wise. It was 11. Was it no, he died in, in 9. He died in 9, but we last saw him in 11. Came? So where was he? Was he in heaven or hell in between? Do no. we know? No, so um, in season nine, he was killed by Gadriel, and um, he was a ghost, and he decided, basically what he decided this episode, which was, um, I, I'm not ready to go yet. I'm going to stay with my mom. Mm -hmm. And and so we kind of left uh, on that note, like, he, he decided to stay on Earth as a ghost, um, and the Winchesters let him go. Uh, but then at the end of 11, uh, Chuck showed up and Chuck called Kevin and he vouched for God. He said, hey, you can trust him. Like, he, he just wants to fix things. Um, things are going a little haywire, but you can trust this guy. And then Chuck, quote unquote, sent uh, Kevin to heaven saying he's been in the veil long enough. Okay. 
So the last time that we brought up Kevin was season 11, where we were basically just wrapping up that loose end, you know? Like, yeah. We, we left Kevin in season nine and then never addressed it again, but yeah. we had Chuck sending him to heaven. Okay. Um, and now here, here... We have Kevin again, and oh my god, Dean. Dean is fucking distraught over this. Well, he, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I, like, the reason why I'm already like, it's because Kevin is acting like Kevin. But okay, so 11, so 12, 13, yeah. 14. So we're talking about like a good 360 years in hell. Yeah. And Kevin's just Kevin. Yeah. I... I know, I know, I know. Yeah. I mean... Please tell me about Dean's face journey. (laughs) But, uh, man, I mean, I don't want to get into it over much, but... I I don't want to either. It's just we're forgetting hell logic when it comes to... It's just in season 13, they brought Kevin back and he was, like, manic and weird and, and... the question is really just why in my mind. And well, it's caps. like based off of that, it would be like being tortured by angel, like the archangel yeah. Michael for like five years. Yeah. So I'm like Kevin being tortured in hell for 360 years. He's fine. I don't know. Yeah. We're fine. No resentment towards the Winchesters when in season nine, he was like really fucking mad that that was another thing that I had a beef with in season 11. I should, this should just be a fucking subtext show episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> he was really mad when he died. He was angry. Like he never asked for this life. Yeah. And, and then we brought him back in 11 and he was like peaceful. Like I'm in the presence of God, peaceful. And, and then he was sent up to heaven, finally re- released from the veil. But he was very like, I love you guys towards the Winchesters. But I didn't, I didn't even drive with that two years ago or however many years ago, uh, 11 was, but I didn't drive with it even then because like we left on a sour note with him. Like the, the Winchesters failed Kevin in a really big way. Mm-hmm. And he is a fan favorite. And and we don't, you know, this is the Sam and Dean show. We, we don't want to see our leads cast in a negative light, but it's just true sometimes. Like, they're not infallible. Anyways, that was... <laughs> I just... Kevin's wait. here. <laughs> yeah, Kevin's here. And everything's fine. We're all fine. Man, I just went off the rails. But, yeah. Um, there, There's a lot of feelings that come around these characters who have meant a lot to us. And yeah. so we want them to be treated well. And this happened. So... Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kevin's here and Dean does, you know, Dean's face journey. He is is saying, like, what are you even doing here? How are you here? You're supposed to be in heaven. And Kevin says, well, that's what God said he was going to do but that's not what he actually did yeah and dean he is like he feels that he does it because again i'm gonna go back to he failed kevin and yeah and it was because of him 
th- that Kevin was killed and um and Dean really felt that that weight and to know that Kevin didn't get his peace he is still he was still suffering and had been suffering all this time that this piece of Dean's family had been in hell this entire time. I don't know. It yeah, just... that he's just been going on completely unaware, thinking yeah. that was a win, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. And then go, oh, no, because the machinations of our life just allows for that to be control Z. Like, that comfort I took from it is gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, it, we, yeah. It, it really does drag Dean even further down than he is and he is pretty dang low right now um but dean kind of rallies and gosh just the way that he looks to kevin to say we are going to get you into heaven like he is making a promise here here is a tangible goal that he's like, this is going on the fucking list. Like, yeah, you can tell that there is more meaning to this than just getting Kevin out. Yeah. 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 It, it gave me a lot of Dean feels. It really did. But Kevin seems okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. okay. But Kevin mentions that he can feel the warding is failing. And if he can feel it, then others can too. And apparently he has a reputation in hell for being a bit of a bad boy because he was cast down by hell, cast down into hell by God uh, himself. And so they're going to put that reputation to use. Yeah. Yeah. And Dean says, so you can mingle. And uh, Kevin seems for it. But we cut to Reno. Yeah. Chuck is basically yammering to Amara yeah. while she's doing her yoga. She's trying to keep calm. And we could tell Chuck is trying to convince Amara, like, essentially to take him on a drive somewhere else. And <laughs> he'll chip in gas money to this other dimension, but she's got to take him. And so there's a question being raised there by Amara. Yeah, yeah. She... She breaks her stance and she says, wait, what? Because she's been trying to tune him out, but but she does clue in like, wait. Yeah, there's something kernel there. Yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you mean? Wait, you need me. Mm-hmm. And, and Chuck is like, what? Okay, what? Uh, nah. No. And uh, Amara is advancing on Chuck and she says, you never needed me. What do you, why are you here? She is questioning it and she's looking for it in the fucking 18th dimension and Mm -hmm. she finds it. She finds it. She says, ah, you are injured. You are incomplete. And, and he's afraid. And you're afraid. So I am fucking like cheering right here. And, yes. And there are so many like larger implications coming up with what Amara is saying here. She yes. she pokes Chuck in the shoulder and says, Something happened. And Chuck is looking pretty fearful. 
Yeah, and she's pointing out, like, your powers are diminished, and suddenly you need her. Like, mm-hmm. you've never needed her before. Yeah, yeah. So we do see Amara kind of uh, packing Chuck into a corner here, and it's it's a, it's a fucking big dick energy is what it is, and I'm here yeah, for it. Yeah, we've never yeah. seen him vulnerable like this, really, so... Yeah, it's yeah. definitely eyes emoji on that one, and it's super interesting. Again, on the like bigger picture, and we're gonna get even more insight into it later. Which, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for now, we're going to go see Sam and Dean, and they're discussing whether Kevin is going to be safe with this plan that they put in place. But yep. Dean is pointing out, you know, none of this is safe, and if Kevin's keen on it, then that's what we got to do to get the intel. Yeah, And they get kind of spooked because they turn around and boom, Belphegor is right there. <laughs> and Belphegor just confirms that the wordings are failing and it's a one-time deal. He can't just put up another one. Yeah, yeah. And and Belphegor is uh, questioning, okay, who is this inside man you've got going on? What happened? And it's revealed that Kevin is the inside man, and Belphegor seems familiar with Kevin yeah. Tran and Talk his about reputation. Ice emoji. Yeah, yeah, and um, Belphegor is is uh, saying like, "Oh yeah, Kevin, I I know him." And uh, Dean brings up again, like, "Well, he was never supposed to be in hell, and we're gonna get him up to heaven." And Belphegor says eh, what if you could but yeah no way jose no way jose any soul that has been cast down to hell heaven is inaccessible to them uh just no way not gonna happen heaven cannot take a hell tainted soul basically he doesn't say that in as much detail but that's what we're that's what we're being told yeah and sam says no no that that doesn't make any sense uh bobby was pulled from hell our dad got out of hell and they're in heaven now and buffcore is like yeah i mean with special permission from god they must have gotten a fucking hall pass but you Mm -hmm. know dims the rules he says yeah unless you can actually get an exception from god there's no way kevin's going back to heaven yeah heaven can't take them he says and, I mean, even here, right here, I'm like, who says? He's really painting himself as, like, falls in the line, does as he's told type character. You know, I'm a good soldier. Uh-huh. I just I'm do what I'm told. And, oh, nope, this is the way that it's got to be. And it's like, again, you're a torturer in hell. How the fuck? Mm, shifty noises. Yeah, and and when I say who says, I'm, I'm also thinking like you're saying like Belphegor is feeding you this, and you're just taking it as truth, like this thing that you've never heard of before that doesn't match up with what you know about heaven and hell and the ways that souls operate. I don't know, but Belphegor is hand waving away Bobby and John, sure, but but why are you just taking everything he says as absolute truth? 
It, yeah, he's being treated as way too trusting an ally right now, considering we had Dean earlier saying we need him for now. Yeah, yeah. So I'm already side-eyeing it, and I think that my questions are validated later in this episode, which we'll get to. Yeah. But, yeah, this scene is basically cut or interrupted to go and see Chuck. He is looking in a mirror, and he has pulled aside his shirt, and he is poking at his shoulder wound, and he seizes at it. And we see Sam react at the same time, too. And Dean is quick to jump to attention to this, but Sam is trying to ensure that he's okay and that this wound is getting better. Yeah, yeah. But this is um, concretely illustrating that Chuck and Sam are connected in a very real way. Quantum tangling. Yes. And oh my God. When Amara said, you're not all here, are you? You're not complete. You are diminished. And I am freaking the fuck out. Because if he's missing something of his power of himself, where is it? I know where it is. I know, hey? I know, When we hey? couple it with that vision that Sam had last week, and then what we're seeing here now, you know, <laughs> my brother was <laughs> like, you're going to have a fucking dragon heart ending, okay? You're going to have Sam there, and he's going to be uh, ripping open his shirt and just telling Dean to throw an axe into his chest in order to kill God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, you cannot bring Dragonheart 1995 Sean Connery to me and expect me to be okay in the next 15 minutes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. My brother was also like, I should just be on your show. I'm telling wait. you all of these things. Wait, wait. But so, you know, the thought that I just had. Please tell was, me. We've talked about. Maybe these visions being finally a callback and us revisiting the demon blood Sam. Yes. And his premonitions, his psychic abilities that he had due to the demon blood. Um and so we had this like god connection triggering these premonitions that are very reminiscent of season 2 uh season 3 Sam mm-hmm. but oh fuck it was season 1 wasn't it yep. but anyways <laughs> season 1 season 2 Sam um but you know what like those visions are a result of the demon blood This would be the perfect time to come full circle. It would. And if in this bullet wound is some divine corruption, is it reacting with the demonic corruption that was never fully pulled from Sam's system? Or, you know, we never even made an attempt to pull it from Sam's system. It just kind of faded into not important. But, you know, he is the boy king, the boy with the demon blood. And to have this connection 
to God himself. What is that? I I want to see them talk about the demon blood. I mean, I just... And if there is this... Like, if there is something intrinsic to Sam that these external influences bring out, be it demon blood or this deity, this god wound, like, are these two sides of the same coin? And it is Sam that is pivoting according to them. Well, I'm thinking if he is still the boy with the demon blood and now he has this god wound, is the fact that he's having these visions, the fact that he, God himself is so affected, it, it, this this pain and this infection, is it because of these conflicting forces within Sam? Is it a reaction Mm, like it's it's an alchemy that's happening inside of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is I I know that I'm not explaining this in any way. I'm just like <laughs> asking you to pull me back from this <laughs> fucking ledge. But um, but okay, stay with me here. Is the divine corruption clashing with the demonic corruption in Sam and? It's like throwing steroids at an infection and he's going into complete like system arrest over it because they are not simpatico. Yeah. These two sides don't work together. Yes. I see. I see. Yes. Yes. I'm like, please don't let it be bad. I want everyone to live. Well, yeah, but I'm thinking like, is this introduction of the divine the thing that's triggering a resurgence of his demonic psychic powers. So- yeah, I, <laughs> I guess I constantly question, like, now were those powers because of Sam or because the, like, were they latent or not, I guess is where I sit there. Because I have always been curious about whether or not Sam would have those things without the influence of the demon blood or if he has them only because of the no. demon blood. No, it, they have to be only because of the demon blood. I mean, that was the entire season 1 and 2, right? Only these these psychic children were only because of Azazel. But why were they chosen? Because Azazel... You could have just picked any person then to do that. So like why were these the chosen ones? Yeah. 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 There's, there's there's gray area that I'm curious about, I guess. Is, and it doesn't have to be, like, established by the canon. I can just sit here wondering the whole time. Well, fuck. I just spent five minutes on a, a tin hat theory, so. <laughs> we'll see how it pans out, and I want it to pan out. But but my whole thing about um the demon blood and Sam's psychic powers is that like I said, we just kind of it just kind of faded out of relevance, but yeah, but it it was never resolved. Yeah, in, it's a hanging thread in any way. Yeah, so I want to see it. I want to see it come back around. Um, oh my god, I feel like we got derailed briefly here, and by briefly I mean like for a good fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah, you think <laughs> <laughs> that's happened like three times this episode. It's true, though, lads. <laughs> but yeah, from that scene, we go to Town Hall 2.0. <laughs> I 
That's what I have. Ghost Conference 2.0. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're just really hyper-focused on the warding falling once again. Yeah. Some of them are like, let's wait it out. But our good old Jackie here, he votes for them to just amass and break through. Like, yeah. patience is not a virtue to this man. <laughs> I know, I know. And uh, he's kind of got the ghost behind this plan of we are going to amass all of our forces and find the weakest point in this barrier and bust through. Um, yeah. And Kevin shows up. And he's just like, hey, guys, so what are we doing here, fellow ne'er-do-wells? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and Francis is obviously familiar. He's like, well, 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 if it isn't the infamous Kevin Tran. Now, see, thing is, I never really bought into your act. <laughs> yeah, your bad boy <laughs> like, reputation. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at Kevin and how he's playing this room, and I'm like, who would? Yeah, honestly. <laughs> but but Francis is like, I heard a little birdie told me that you're actually pretty buddy-buddy with the Winchesters. And Kevin's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, because of what? Because of what? But uh, close but no cigar on Francis's word, um we have Kevin on lockdown. Yep. He, I'm like, the hell newspapers are all about Sam and Dean, and so <clears throat> Kevin is got to be in the tabloid somewhere. They take him hostage. Yep. And um, this next scene has Rowena and Ketch. They are throwing science innuendos left, right, and center. <laughs> she is working on this soul bomb, Using language that's inappropriate for children, and <laughs> Ketch is trying to seem like a badass by stripping some wires, and it for all intents and purposes, they want to fuck. I, the thing that I hated about the scene was the language that Rowena was using, yeah. like so butch, so masculine, so like you the strong powerful man and me the well she says something inappropriate like, she uses children. the word throbbing <laughs> yeah she does and, and, and me the heart of things and i'm like oh no honey no <laughs> can we not it was like supposed to be a joke you know it was like supposed to be funny but it really wasn't funny nah because again i'm saying the whole time i'm like girl you can do so much better and like you have been around for centuries you know you can do better yeah but apparently she fucked jack the ripper so <sighs> we're not there we're just going there we're going there yeah it's, it's coming for us this scene is interrupted with a phone call from dean and it's basically a status check on how the soul bomb Quazawa is going, and I'm just like, thank God. <laughs> thank God. The next scene is Rowena in the town delivering her her package. 
Yes, she has this big satchel with her, and she's rushing to meet Sam and Dean, but she's faced by Francis, who recognizes her, um, and she calls him an unfaithful dog, and he's like, no, baby, there's no one like you. You're special. Oh, my God. Yeah, that happened. Um, Yeah. And Rowena says, bye, Felicia, and tries to walk away, but Francis uh, stops her to say, you tell the Winchesters that we have their boy, and if they want to work this out, then to meet us at this address. And he is summarily blasted away by Ketch himself. Yes, but apparently that doesn't last very long because Mm. as Rowena's running off, we see Francis appear behind Ketch, knock him out cold. Yeah. Ketch, good job. Yeah, that happens. Okay. Now, Rowena has regrouped Sam and Dean and she's giving the intel on Kevin and Ketch and blah, blah, blah. Um, Sam and Dean go to the address that was described and they're kind of showing no weapons, whatever. They're in negotiation talks right now. Ghost Conference 3.0. Yeah. We got to keep having these town halls. (laughs) We could get nothing done in them. And Francis is saying, and and we see Kevin is here as well. Um, And Francis tells Sam and Dean, you're going to drop the warning or I will consume Kevin whole. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, But Sam and Dean don't bow. And, and, um, Kentucky Fried Francis uh, reaches into Kevin's soul and starts, I don't know, hurting him real bad. It's doing that. It made me think of when Cass would draw on a soul for energy. Like, it feels like that sort of same thing going on. And so Kevin's screaming, but... In the back of this room, like in the patio entrance to this kitchen, Rowena and Cass, they enter and she has that soul catcher out and she's using it immediately. And she gets some of them, some of the ghosts dissipate, but they save Kevin in the nick of time. Yeah. And God, I mean, not to harp on it, but... Uh, again, we have Francis torturing Kevin right in front of Sam and Dean, and they're just watching. Like, yeah. it's like, it's like this, I don't know. It's they like, didn't want to write fight scenes or something? Like, I, nothing, not a word, not, uh, like, bring up your fucking salt rounds, throw your chain at them, say stop. Like show yeah. you fucking care. No, they're just watching, and it, it and it really is this weird like disconnect in the writing or the directing or something, where it's like we wanted to see Kevin scream, so we just kind of like let it go. Yeah, on. the the glee is in the torture, in the violence, and things like that. Yeah. It's not in seeing our characters react. It's not jiving for it's us as so an audience. Not jiving. It, there is some disconnect in what was intended versus what actually came across on the screen. Well, what we hope the was. intention was, because everything is a choice. Yeah. Yeah. But. It. Yeah. 
it just makes no sense. Like, this is not how people work. It's weird. Yeah, but. it's not how Sam and Dean were. But they've saved Kevin, and Kevin is bringing that dire warning once again. The warning is fading. They know it. They are planning to bust out at a weak point. So where is this weak point? Well, next scene. Gang is regrouping at this place. Yeah, yeah. We have the whole gang, the whole Team Free Will, um, at the barrier, this this weakest point, and we see um, a lot of activity there. Yes. Belfagor himself says that he sees hundreds, and there's even more still coming. Um, Dean is firing his salt rounds uselessly at them, and then Ketch approaches, kind of taking them by surprise. Rowena yeah. is using the soul catcher. It's going slow. And then, lo, here we have Ketch backhanding her and taking the soul catcher. And he's possessed. What? Sure. Yeah. I'm like, at what? What was he doing during Ghost Town Hall 3.0? Because we had Kentucky Fry, Jackie just, Francis. Was he just Knock knocked out. out? And oh then he, Kentucky Fried Francis is there for the town hall. And then Ketch is possessed by Kentucky Fried Francis. Um, And Kentucky Fried Francis is outside of the barrier? I was trying to figure that. I think they're standing inside the barrier. Okay, here's my cartwheel. What? They're still standing inside the barrier and the ghosts are all going out. That's the only way I can make sense of it. Because otherwise, Ketch possessed by Francis was able to cross the barrier. But he absolutely... That makes no sense. So, so you're saying that they're all inside of the barrier and just watching... Like... From the, the sidelines. Yeah. Them, the ghost trying to get through. Yeah. That's... Why wouldn't the ghost be attacking them then? But Because what to what avail? You kill four or five and then, like, I, I don't want to argue for this logic because I yeah. did sit there and struggle and be like, what side of the barrier are we on right now? But I feel like they were inside to go to Ghost Town Hall 3.0 and then possibly, like, it wouldn't make sense for them to run out and then run around to the weakest point. It would make sense for them to just run to the weakest point. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, again, I'm... But the perspective really does make it seem like yes. they're... they're on the other side of the barrier. Yes, yes. Like point. I, I straight up had to sit here and like do math on a page oh. to oh, be like, no. this feels sensible. Oh no, baby, no. It doesn't. It sounds worse than it is. It was just straight at me, like writing it, and I'm like, which side of the warning? <laughs> no, but I feel for you. I really do because it, it does not make sense. It cannot make sense. And in this is a show where, you know, you want things to be good and they sometimes are not. The show can be so good. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have shit like this. Where it, was it, Catch? It, it's honestly confusing. It's just confusing. But anyways, um, fucking David Hayden Jones. What the fuck? He's, did you forget how to act? And... Well, he's possessed, so, like, I mean, first real possession is you forget how to act. 
<laughs> so, uh, Rowena is sucking up souls. Ketch is standing right beside her, looking real creeper. And well, because they got the hots for each other, it's fine, right? <laughs> well, he was also lurking behind Dean a little earlier, looking just as intently. So again, we said he's given off strong buy vibes. I know nothing it's- is disputed here. It's Dean, too. So, um, right when Rowena sucks up, um, I guess, enough souls. Well, just uh, some. Some. Uh, I, I was going to say David Hayden Jones. Um, <laughs> catch, catch, uh, strikes her arm down and takes the stone for he backhands himself. Her. Oh, she does falls he? to the ground. <gasps> oh no! I've again. I mean, I've seen this episode three times, and I still wasn't paying attention. Oh, I, know. I just know that. I just know that she dropped the stone. Yeah. For possessed catch to pick it up. So. And so Kentucky Fried Francis apparently knows what this is. I'm like, this dude died presumably early 1900s. Was electricity enough of a thing that he could translate it into metaphysics? I'm not thinking about that. He's got the MacGuffin. He's got the soul catcher. And he's like, I'm going to use this to blow shit up. (laughs) Okay, cool. I guess you know how to do that. Dean is like, I won't hesitate, bitch. And he shoots catch twice. And then the MacGuffin soul catcher flies through the air and Dean catches it. And I guess just passes it off to Rowena, who's standing up again, and she just goes ham. She's like a Pokemon master. She's gotta catch them all. <laughs> oh my god. And she catches Francis with much satisfaction last. Yes. Uh, and, I don't know, a lot happened in 30 seconds, and yes. And, and, and then we it. have like the silent <laughs> beat, where we just look at all of our characters. I'm like, Cass, standing useless in the background, Sam standing useless in the background. Belphegor standing useless in the background. And and catch bleeding on the ground. That's and fine. We, we leave. We leave. We're done. That's it. Yeah, and, I'm fine with it. Oh my god. The <laughs> second that Dean shot catch, I was like, um, Cass, are you gonna like hop in there? What uh, hey. <laughs> well, good news for you, because the very next scene we see Ketch is in this gurney. We have Sam and Cass talking, and Cass admits he wasn't able to heal him. And Sam's like, oh, maybe you're just tired. I'm like, this is not how <laughs> angels work. <laughs> what okay. I'm hoping okay. this is, yeah. is, okay, God is diminished, and here are the repercussions. No. Well, because no, because heaven is already struggling. We can't yeah. have diminished angels. Why not? Because they're going to deal with this hell mouth and then heaven fucking collapses. <sighs> There's no, just listen to me. This is not how it's going to go. But what if? So you have all of the hell souls. You have all of the heaven souls. They're all commingling on earth. And it's just like, well, this is a spilled pile of M&Ms. Who's going to sort this shit? Fuck it. Let's just create a new afterlife and just put everyone in there. Oh my god. Hire I mean, me! <laughs> I mean, 
is that not what's going to happen? I have no idea what is going to happen. I mean, we've been talking about this restructuring of heaven and hell mm-hmm. since season 13. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It has, it will come up this season i just don't know what it's gonna look like like i i'm being facetious here i don't think it'll play that but they're they have to wrap up something to do with heaven and to restructure heaven it would make sense to also restructure hell particularly if there's this big rift that like i'm presuming next episode we figure out how to slap a band-aid on but a permanent solution i don't know if that's in the cards yet yeah, and and the thing about the thing that I'm really thinking on as the question mark in restructuring hell is um we have Naomi in heaven, but we do not have any leader of hell. And and who is the the hell representative? Yeah. And we have to have someone Well, there's a power vacuum right now. How how is yeah, it filled? Yeah. Who who will fill it? I think it will be Michael. And oh, I that'd think be that- yeah. Oh, nut, nut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the worst shorthand for emotions. But <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> oh, please don't. I, uh, you just made my week. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> so I, you know, I think it might be Michael. I who, would love it. Yeah, yeah. So I want to see that fucking round table. I want heaven, hell, the empty earth. Like, I want those representatives to come together. But the the hell representative is still a question mark. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways, what were we talking about? Um, Catches in a gurney. Right, right. Because Cass, we have this throwaway line, and really, this line is the only line that I was really looking at. Like, okay, can I even? Like, it's such a horrible place to be as a fan to look at your canon and think, well, but can I really? trust this like yeah. as truth is this it, for this episode only right is this for this episode only or does it actually mean something but this was one such line where um Cass says I tried to heal him but I can't and Sam's like oh you're probably just tired now is that just bad writing or is I think it it's significant a bigger question yeah I think it's significant because the whole vibe we're getting for next week's preview seems pretty dire and so if we set up Cass as not being able to heal in this episode uh-huh. then it's less of a an obvious st- storytelling point next episode. Oh fuck. Oh fuck. Oh shit. Oh fuck. Oh shit. Oh fuck. B. Yeah. B. Scary you- vibes. B. I shouted. I'm sorry. The. Hi, Remy. The- hi, Remy. Hi. Hi. How about season five where Cass yes. was disconnected from heaven and mm-hmm. he wasn't immediately 
Mm-hmm. depowered he it was a slow he just had a limited amount mm-hmm. of grace and it was a slow drain mm-hmm. on him because he was no longer connected to yep. heaven and and what if we revisit that yep i see i understand now oh my that's- god that's that that's that's the shiver me tits like yeah. feeling fear anticipation of what's going to be cast a storyline to me. The entire yes and and I am just I don't even know what to feel because eyes emoji the because season five was Cass's slow yes decay fucking, decay into humanity. And what if we do it again? What if we end with human cast? What if we do, B? I'm going to eat my whole hand. Can you tell that I have both hands over my face right now? Can you tell I'm eating my fingers? (laughs) This was not supposed to be a freak out episode. I know, but like we we gotta get our kicks where we find them. And oh, you're just tired. I'm like broke. <laughs> broke. Cass is disconnecting from heaven. Woke. Like oh my god, I didn't see. I just I threw it away as like ugh, that makes no sense. But fuck, <laughs> it it, it might still be thrown away. There's it, no ho- bets to place really uh-huh. on this episode, but. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. We have um Dean approaching the ambulance and he's giving um a catch a little bro slap to the shoulder saying like sorry I had to shoot you man but the iron bullet seemed the best way to get the job done at yeah. the time. Sorry. Again, can't slap him with a chain. <laughs> we got to- <laughs> <sighs> I'm fine. And I know, I know, like like fucking Iron flakes are good enough, but you can't uh, just whip them with a with your necklace. Anyways, yeah. um, and like if if you had an EMF reader, but if it was for buy vibes, it's going off the chart right here again. I know, right? Again, uh, catch control your face. They. <laughs> I don't think I'd be able to control my why. face around Johnson. So, David yeah. Hayden Jones, you you got a pass. Don't worry. You're oh fine. God. You're amongst welcome kin here, but <laughs> catch. I, it was so funny, though, because, like, we're pushing. We have this little goodbye where uh, catch is being carted off to the ambulance and or into the ambulance. And catch looks to Dean and gives a little fucking by nod and then he looks to 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 Rowena and gives him the same nod gives her the same nod and then and mm-hmm. then Rowena looks to Dean and they share a smile I'm like <laughs> tell me what did I text you at about this part of the episode are we setting up a Dean Rowena catch triad what's happening I was like the energy is there. Like, you can't deny the energy was there. Right. I think you said, um, yeah, Dean would be down. Yeah, Dean it, would be down. That's, that's the energy that this scene is giving. And, like, again, I don't want to accept it. 
That's just but, what's happening. What the fuck was that? No, I what mean, we're fuck? obviously joking. We're <laughs> This is this is obviously not something that's happening. But yeah, seriously, no, no, like no, no. what the fuck? Yeah. Weird. Fucking Dean Rowena catch and like Dean Dean's buddy nod. with catch. Yeah. I mean, the most that I can accept from that is like an begrudging like I I get it type thing. Like Dean gets the fact that Ketch is trying to redeem himself. And so Dean cuts him a little slack because of that. There's just Yeah. From what I understand, there's so much bad history with Ketch that all of these things become a little bit distasteful when you color it with context. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because season twelve Ketch um was the monster, like was the bad guy. And then we brought him back in 13, and he is just like, there. oh, I, I can be helpful. I'm going to be helpful. And um, and they just never really, they just kind of rolled with it. And, and they never really addressed any of what happened in 12. And it's just like this fucking dirty little secret that's been swept under the carpet. But it's not, it's not good storytelling. No. And, um, and, you know, as much as I do, I mean, I do not hate the character. I don't really necessarily enjoy the character because he's just basically comic relief at this point. But, um, but we have forgotten the origins and roots of this character. Yeah. So. Yeah. I agree with you on that. Like, there's nothing... I, I haven't seen 12, so I don't, uh-huh. I can't even say, like, I personally dislike the character or anything. It's just when you look at the narrative and what he's serving, it yeah. goes back to, like, we need a chew toy. Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. So we have Dean from the ambulance go back to Sam, and Sam is looking pensive. His brow is furrowed, and Sam says, Kevin wants to leave. Dean asks what do you mean wants to leave and then we introduce Kevin to the scene and Kevin is saying I'm not going back to hell I would rather you know take my chances out in the real world yeah he'd rather just go live his authentic afterlife being feral in a woods like that is oh my preferable to going back to hell yeah yeah Going, the possibility of going vengeful spirit is better than condemning myself back to hell. And holy fuck. So this is that validation that Mm -hmm. I was talking about. Kevin says, Belfagar says, and I I thought it was so interesting that they called attention back to Belfagar. Yes. That we are reinforcing where this knowledge came from. Yeah, 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 exactly. Belfagar says that um I can't get into heaven. I uh, so so my options are earth or hell and and you know, given the option I'm going to choose earth. But but it, it it just really really reinforced for me like that that says who thought in my head why are you trusting the word of this demon so blindly eyes emoji he 
yeah, Kevin can't get into heaven, Belphegor says. Belphegor. So, um, so I'm, I am definitely looking at that. But, uh, Belphegor's bored. I'm kind of bored. They. Yeah. <laughs> I, what I'm hoping is, is we're getting a little seed here for, um, down the road, Sam and Dean be able to get a win getting Kevin actually to heaven. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. I was very dissatisfied with it this episode. Like, hey, Kevin is dead and still dead. Yeah. But I I trust the writing team at large to Uh handle it. And I hope that that trust is well placed. I just hope that the whole season is not a hi, Kevin, bye, Kevin. Yeah. For all of our characters. Yeah. I don't want this model to be a recurring plot yeah. device. So. <laughs> but yeah, so we find out now that Belphegor can just poke a hole in the warding. Mm-hmm. You know, just cut that little circle through and then Kevin can walk through and then Kevin disappears from our vision and that doesn't just weaken the warding further? Okay, convenient. Yeah. Well, I was really honestly very confused because uh, Kevin's like, I, I, I know that he can't pull down the whole thing, but can he just make a hole and I can go through? Like, we just spent the whole episode talking about how the barrier was going to go down if we didn't, like, suck all these souls up. And I thought that we just had this big climactic moment of, like, beating the souls down. Yeah, saving the barrier for now. Well, saving the barrier, period. Oh, no. Uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I know. But, <laughs> but yeah. We're going to have... We have one more scene, but we're going to have this ending scene to the episode that just brought us right back to square one. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, I'm at the... I'm here with Kevin, and I'm like, um, wait, why is this happening? Because... Why are they writing in this whole, like, barrier exception piece when uh, we just rid the town of the the ghost and we save the day and it doesn't even matter anymore? Well, because it's not all the souls is the thing. But I didn't... I didn't know that! It didn't... (laughs) (laughs) It didn't, like... I was so mad at this ending. It's Okay. Kevin Kevin walks through. He goes, I love you guys. Yeah. Dean does a take care kid. Bye. Mm-hmm. We Bye. go to Amara in an amazing yellow suit, A++. Yeah. And she is basically saying, I'm heading out. And Chuck is like, what, what, what? No, I want to go with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Amara says, no, no, I think I'll go alone. Yeah. Chuck gets mad. Yeah. Because, like, for the fraction that she has existed in this universe, she's like, I don't need to be near you anymore. And, like you say, Chuck gets angry here, and he lashes out with this one line that's so dismissive. 
Yeah. I'm the front runner here. You're just back up. You answer to me. Like, you're nothing without me, is what he's saying. And he tries to make a grab at, at Amara, saying, you will do what I say. And she shuts it down she says the the sunglasses come off okay she's getting serious here yeah she basically she is looking down her nose she says you sad little man even on your best day you could not force my hand and this is not your best day yeah you are stuck without me and you know what I'm going to leave you here, and that's exactly what you deserve. Yeah, it's just desserts as far yeah. as she's concerned. Yes. And, like, we get a great little insight into the parameters Chuck is dealing with now. She says that he's just able to do parlor tricks, and he's not able to leave Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, There is a lot, a lot packed into this final scene. Yeah. Um, And... It's my takeaway. You can't have it. So go ahead. <laughs> I'll talk. Oh, well, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. We're we're pretty much at the end here. So, we're not though. Well, okay. Well, then I'll let, just okay. Say, speed, I'll let me speed take away. Do you want me to speed run through the last little bit? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. I I'll, I'll save it. I'll save it for the end. Um, but but yeah. Uh, the the implications of this conversation. Um for the rest of the season is my takeaway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about it in a minute when we're done. Yeah. But Amara essentially ends the conversation by going, you know, you turned out in a funny way. You got what you wanted. You are on your own. And yeah. on that note, we leave Chuck and we return to Cass, Rowena, Sam, Dean, and Belphegor watching the souls pouring out into the sky. Jesus. And they're just reinforcing the fact they need another solution. The soul catcher's not enough, and they need to do it before they're running out of time. And we're left with the question, but how? Yeah. Yeah. So that was my big... I don't know. I was very, very angry at this last scene, just because um, we had this entire episode where I thought that we were, like, doing something ridding the town of the souls like fighting the bad guy and then in this very last scene we undid all of that by showing the shot of the souls continuing to pour out of the open gate by the fucking hundreds and it just completely erased the last 40 minutes like why yeah what growth did we have yeah. By the our characters going through what they've gone through this episode. Yeah. And as far as I can tell, it's just further demoralizing because we have introduced Kevin and what yeah. he's gone through. And we have had some more civilians die. We had Ketch appear as an ally and disappear just as quickly. So it's like, what what stakes, what evolution did our characters go through? And I would really struggle to say that there was really anything. We just saw, we saw them experiencing things, but we didn't see them evolving necessarily. Uh, absolutely. We brought... Rowena in for this big, you know, struggle with the crystal. 
And it didn't do anything. It didn't even put a dent in in the souls that are coming out of this gate. The and... crystal, like the episode, bought time for a bigger solution. We'll see. But well, but that that was there was well no I agree no you're right you're right but but talk about further demoralizing I mean that was their one and only idea that was their one and only shot and and now here they are the final line of the episode what do we do yeah that's exactly where we started yeah um, but I don't know it's fine well like. Part of what is so strange about the structure for this episode is if you want to think of like what was the A plot, what was the B plot in terms of what pushed us forwards, Chuck and Amara were the A plot. Oh, man, you're right. They were the ones that were giving us new insights that were seeing the characters change in like irreversible ways yeah our insights to them were the big things really like again i love the scene where we finally got to see dean break down to cast where his anger was coming from but that is again it's feeding into this insight 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 for our characters but not necessarily evolution or changing insight yeah yeah is is some aspect of those uh, Chuck and Amara insights also your final takeaway? No, you've you've dibs them. <laughs> I'm, I've already kind of planted my stake so wholeheartedly in just the consequences of Dean's vision of free will. Okay, okay. Well, well, my biggest thing, um, yeah, I I think that the takeaway of this episode is is uh, where is chuck and and insights into chuck so we saw chuck coming to amara and and asking for help um and amara exposes him yeah like he basically wants to stay beside her because she's the nearest ally he has with a big club to keep his enemies away And it makes me think, like, just now I'm thinking about how in episode 20 of last season, he says, well, I can't be the one to use the equalizer to kill Jack because you know what happens to existence if I'm not there. And so if Chuck is diminished, is he diminishing, continuing? What is the consequences there? You know, big Uh, questions. uh yeah, yeah, very big questions. I think what I'm seeing here in this episode is the setup for Chuck as the villain for the rest of the season because just last episode we had Sam saying this is what God does. He crumples up his drafts and throws his failed drafts and throws them away and then he bails. And that was one thing that I know you said, um, which is that Sam is approaching this from the thought that either Chuck is already gone or mm-hmm. will imminently uh, leave. Yeah, this God world. has left the building. God has left the building. Right, right, right. Which is, it's so good 
I think that we see here in this episode, God trying to do exactly that. Yes. And, and failing. Yeah, and he can't. So so what Sam said is exactly what Chuck would have done if given the option. And also, f- Sam was framing, you know, God, God's gone. God pulled that ripcord and he is leaving us yeah. to the fallout, but we can beat the fallout. Yeah. Um and, and so it's ultimately a good thing that God has left us to ourselves. Um because now we have a chance. Now, now we see Chuck stuck and as Amara said, he is caged in this failing world and he is alone. So he Chuck now does have to deal with the fallout if you want to if you want to look at it like that but it's more I think like, that we should because yeah. we see like Amara's whole thing here she is framed as trying to become better she's trying to evolve and adapt to her situation and she's pointing out that Chuck has been stuck this whole time and so I think what we're seeing here is Chuck is being placed into a framework where maybe he's going to be humbled Maybe he is going to learn something. Maybe he is going to change and evolve. And that's where we see him move. That he goes from the villain space that he left in episode 20. And he moves into someone who is humbled by what he's gone through. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Because where I am currently sitting with it is that um, it's kind of an uh uh-oh. I do think so, yes. In episode one, Sam was saying, this is this is a good thing. God's gone. But now we're saying, wait, God can't go. So, yeah. so how is Chuck, this stubborn, petulant man, going to punish his characters for his own mistakes? Yeah. I... I could see that coming. I think that my reaction off of this episode is, is that Chuck's initial instincts were to cower behind his big sister. Oh, yeah. So to me, that speaks to his character as he's going to be humbled. Uh Uh-huh. I would like to see what that looks like because, well, well, I don't want to get, well... I don't want to get into it, but you, but you're talking about setting Chuck up for some sort of redemption. Yeah, but but how does that fit in with God dies? The redemption could be he rebuilds the world where he's no longer part of it. Okay, okay, we'll see how that goes. Because me, I'm still looking at the ultimate end of Chuck being death at the hands of death. Yeah. So, so how does that fit in with some remorse, some show of remorse? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but, 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 uh, I guess my final takeaway, my, my true final takeaway <laughs> is it is Amara's little throwaway. You are diminished. You are stuck here, but maybe a parlor trick here or there, but. Now it's that parlor trick line <laughs> that I that's the ace up their sleeve. 
that that is what I think we're going to be seeing from Chuck the whole rest of the season. How is Chuck going to antagonize our protagonists? Yeah. I, I I don't know if I would necessarily frame it as antagonized because that sounds to me of just like maliciously acting against them. I could see it as how is Chuck going to manipulate them onto the course that he desires. But I mean, beyond all of that, we are seeing God as he is and why he will now be an active antagonist yes through the why rest of the he season. didn't just pull the ripcord and bail why he didn't just pull the ripcord and bail yes so and that to me makes for a very interesting story oh absolutely yes that yeah yeah do you want to hear my takeaway <laughs> <laughs> fuck you what ready I didn't, mean- I didn't mean to take 15 minutes <laughs> ready <laughs> I am going back to seeing our characters puzzle through what free will actually means with their new perspective. Like we saw at the end of last episode, Sam and Dean approaching one another to see their perspectives and how they play off of each other with it. And then in this episode, we got to see Dean and Cass do something similar. I would love to see these three episodes set in Harlan end with Cass and Ooh. Sam having a similar sort of conversation next episode. I think that Ooh. that would be a lovely dovetail. Um, I'm not going to hold my breath because sadly we don't get as much Cass and Sam scenes as we could, but I can bite my tongue on that too because 1501 and 1502 has been very generous on that front. <laughs> it's been very good to us so far. Yes. Uh, my biggest thing is that, um, on that is that yes we did have the dean cast scene that was dean um well let's call it the dean and cast conflict yes and it's something that we've kind of been waiting for right yeah but the and thing I, is yeah. we didn't resolve anything yeah so there's more to come exactly exactly so we are just dropping in these tidbits of of our characters, our, the setup for our characters for the rest of the seasons, for the rest of the seasons, for the rest of the episodes. And, um, but we're not done yet. So, mm-hmm. so I like that. Yeah. And like you said, I like the direction that we're going in with it. Yes. I'm hoping that we kind of get good reins on the whole nostalgia aspect of it, mm-hmm. but we have yet to see how that's really going to play out. Right. I was I was just about to say, so two episodes in, how do you feel we're doing on that? But I don't know. Episode one, then episode two is... We're kind we of just basically a lot like cracked in. the seal on the can. We haven't like yeah. seen how it's gonna pour. Yeah, yeah. Good analogy. Yeah. No, it's not. But thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, is that it, Remy? Did we make it? We made it. We made it. We made it. I'm excited for episode three. Episode three will be next week with uh, 1503, The Rupture. Mm-hmm. Sounds fun. 
right? Yeah, that's that's a pleasant thing to occur, right? That's a very <laughs> calm, soothing verb to bring our characters towards. Yep. When when I was looking up the description for episode two, um, the description for episode three was also in the wiki. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't read it. I really wanted to, but I didn't. <laughs> So we will see where next week takes us. Um, for right now, thank you guys for listening. That was episode 15. That was season 15, episode 2, Raising Hell. Yes. And, uh, yes. And if you enjoyed listening to us, then please do uh, download our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, like, subscribe, or review. We love to see all of your mm-hmm. input and yep. your yeah feedback. It's great for us. Um, this Recommend is... us to a friend. Oh, yes. Um you know we're we're a small podcast and word of mouth is really how we get around and if it, and if you would put the word out that you're listening to us through this season 15 then that would be so so great we really want to share this season 15 with you guys and if you guys don't get enough from us just once a week we have more of our content available on our patreon at no chick flick podcast we have our show notes we have our hot off the press reaction episodes so if you go there now you'll get our episode one and episode two reactions they're already available and they will be coming every time that a new episode's coming out and we're always available at Twitter, Tumblr, our email, our website. So any way that you want to reach out to us or or share with us how much you love the stupid show. That, that was my words, not bees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you can absolutely do that at any of our platforms. So, yeah. So we will see you guys next week. Yeah. See you guys next week. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Remy, it's a gift for you. Blackie's purring across state lines. And then she rubs the microphone because it's technically hers.